0: thankful for uh, Riley's prayer already this morning that we are weak. Um, And as uh, I think about that, I'm just resting there. Actually, I'm wrestling there. I don't like being weak. That's not a fun place to be. And yet that is where God has called us to be, in that place of dependence. And we preach on it for weeks now, and I'm still struggling. I'm still warring against that place. But I'm thankful this morning that in Psalm 125... We have this gift from God, his word, right, but particularly it's a song. We have hymns and songs and poems that, that is a gift to our soul, to speak back the praises of our God to him. What a gift that we have this to declare the, the great things of our God and King Jesus. And so we're still in our study of the Psalms of Ascent this morning. I'm having a hard time figuring out where I'm going to put this Bible just because it's Blowing around. Um sealing this. Okay. Sorry for the if, if anybody's listening on the podcast. It's windy today, so. <clears throat> Alright. So we have this gift of the Psalms um, to, to praise our Lord Jesus. And so we've been in the Psalms of a which are these 15 Psalms, and it's kind of a uh, one of the other Crosspoint pastors put it like an album within this group of albums that you have, right? That, and we talked about it last week, the mixtape that maybe you would have when you go on the road. But we have these Psalms 120 through 134 that the that pilgrims would sing. The Hebrew people would sing as they would journey to the temple to worship their God. And just that in and of itself is this, like they prioritize their life around worship of God. If that, I think if that sinks in for us today, then, then we've been given a gift. If we get to the point where we can say, God, I want my life to prioritize around your worship in everything, then we're going to rest there. And this is going to be something that speaks to us this morning. These songs, they were sung. And while we don't worship in the temple anymore, we still, our lives are an act of worship. We're still on a journey through this life, heading home. We talked about what... What it means to be home, to be with God, heading to the destination that's been promised to us, to be with him and enjoy him eternally. And so we sing from our hearts. And this morning song, Psalm 125, is one that speaks to our soul, telling us of the surety, the protection, the confidence that we have in our King. So let's pray that God would open our minds but even more so that he would open our hearts this morning and would hear his good news. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that we've already prayed, we've already sung, Lord, and we've seen in your word. God, we pray that even now you would give me uh, strength, Not not of my own strength, because, Lord, like we've talked about, you've called us to a place of weakness and dependence upon you. But, Lord, I pray that you would show yourself strong, show yourself faithful, show yourself mighty to save today. God, use your word. May we see in your word a glimpse of who you are today. In your name we pray. Amen. When we think of God, um, our heart, our thoughts, and our hearts should go to the Lord Yahweh. So we've talked about that enough uh, over the last five weeks in these Psalms of Ascents to begin to kind of have an idea of where these pilgrims, where what are they doing? That they've called to mind the God that is the creator several times. They've called to mind the God who who redeemed them and brought them out of captivity and slavery. They've called to mind the God who is with them. And so even as we begin to think about who God is, we begin to think about the Lord Yahweh. We must imagine and call to mind that God is not like us, right? He doesn't waver. He He is steadfast. He's more than we can imagine. He's greater than we can imagine. He's more immense than we can imagine. I'm so thankful for our time over the summer where we really got into kind of the attributes of God. We had a series on the attributes of God. And and getting a chance to teach some of those, I I had to dig in and I had to start thinking about what is it about who God is and and learning some big words like communicable and incommunicable and and, uh, sovereignty and who God is and that he doesn't change, right? Right? The eternality of God, which is a really hard way of saying he's eternal, but just those types of things. And so we rested there. And one of the gifts that we had during that time was A.W. Tozer, and he, he, wrote, he writes a lot on these attributes of God. And he has a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And in it he says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Okay. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That, that's beautiful. We, it puts us in a place where we are under, right? Our thoughts about ourselves are under our thoughts about God. So, what we want to do today is ask what comes to the psalmist's mind when he thinks about God. And we see it right there in verse 1 of Psalm 125. It says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. You see, as the psalmist begins, he compares those who trust in the Lord to a mountain. You see, the metaphor of the mountain is, is not just about the one who is trusting, but more so it's about the one that they're placing their trust in. It has more to do with God than it does about the one who's trusting God. We are like Mount Zion because we trust in the one who is unchanging. The psalmist thinks about God and an image of a mountain comes to mind. And the characteristic of that mountain that the psalmist really presses into here is the idea that that mountain cannot be moved. It cannot be shaken. It will be there forever. It's eternal. And so this morning, when we begin to think about our trust in God, it is eternal Let me share with you a a fun gift this morning. If you have any trust in God, it is not relying on your ability to trust in Him. It is a gift that God has given you. He's given you the gift of faith. And because He's given that gift, you don't have to conjure up more. Your, Your trust doesn't begin as like a little molehill that one day becomes kind of this dirt pile that becomes a hill that can one day grow into a mountain. No, when He gives you the gift of faith, if you trust in God... You are like a mountain that cannot be moved because it does not rely on you and your ability to trust. It relies on God who is faithful. That's got to be really good news for us to start with this morning, right? I mean, it's not going to get much better. So hopefully that's stirring something in your hearts already. Like I've been given the gift of faith that for some reason when we read this word, I believe it to be true. That's amazing. And so my, the gift that God has given me is his gift. So I can't add to it or take away from it. And so I can rest. I'm like a mountain, like Mount Zion that cannot be moved, that cannot waver. And so even as, even as I go through life and it seems like I'm wavering, if that gift is from God, it will not be moved. That's what we have this morning. That's what the psalmist is reminding the people of. That's what they're singing on the road to remind themselves and the people that they're traveling with, hey, if if we trust in the Lord, we are like Mount Zion, and we're going to see Mount Zion, and we're going to remember it, and we're going to see how great it is that it is immovable. Not just immovable for a little while, but eternally immovable. Maybe you're wondering where or what is Mount Zion. (laughs) Great question. I, too, had that question, had to look it up. But Mount Zion is is a Zion that's on the outskirts of Jerusalem. So literally, it's a mountain. Um, but it also has a, a figurative place in the story. Mount Zion is mentioned in, in some other psalms. In Psalm 48, 1-3, the psalmist says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, His holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. So that's where we see Mount Zion, other places in the Psalms, but it's also in the New Testament. The author of Hebrews writes this. In Hebrews 12, 22-24, he says, "...but you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven." And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So Mount Zion is both a physical location and a symbolic place. It's a literal mountain on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and it represents a lasting and enduring Jerusalem and dwelling place of God. Here, he abides forever. Because he is the one who because he's with us who trust in him, we have an eternal security and an enduring hope. So that's the that's the first gift that we have in this Psalm this morning. The second gift is in verse two, and it's the, the author continues and he says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. So not only are we are we this mountain, but then we're surrounded by the mountains, and, and so um, Mount Zion is just on the outskirts, and we talked about this, and we've talked about a little bit of the topography of, of Jerusalem a little, as we've gone through this series, but the idea that the, the travelers would have to ascend, right, Psalms of ascents, so they're going up, they're going up to Jerusalem, and then they would have to go up to the temple, and so it's always this going up, but really, Jerusalem is not the high point of that place, of that area. There are other mountains around Jerusalem. And these mountains are taller than Jerusalem. And so they surround Jerusalem and, and create, you know, kind of a, a castle or, or barricades or, or something that would protect Jerusalem. And so the psalmist is calling the, the pilgrim to remember, now think about it, when you're in Jerusalem, the dwelling place of God, not only are you dwelling with God, but all around you is God. Psalm 139 is is just this beautiful psalm, but in it, there's verse 5, it says, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. If he hems us in behind and before, there's no other place around us and his hand is upon us. That means we are surrounded by the God who is strong, who is mighty to save who defends his people. And and if he's called his people and he's made you a people, he's going to defend you. That's the God that we have, the God that we trust in. There's a protection that's both an internal because we're grounded in, in God. We are like a Mount Zion that cannot be moved. And there's an external. We're surrounded by the Lord of hosts. It makes me think of the Old Testament scripture where God opens one of the prophet's eyes, the prophet's declaring to the people that, no, we have this whole host of heaven, and he looks around and he can't see anybody, and suddenly God opens his eyes and he sees all the angels around him. He's like, whoa, that's serious, and I should have looked that up so that I'm actually reading it to you, but I didn't, so you'll have to find it later. But it's this beautiful passage in the Bible, right, where God opens, his eye, opens the eyes of someone so that he can see that literally he is surrounded by the Lord of hosts. You know, and all of that, we we say, that's great, Joel. But I don't know if you've looked around, but I'm not experiencing that in my day-to-day life. I don't experience being grounded. I see a lot of uh, things that are causing me to be insecure. A lot of things that have, to be honest, given me a lot of anxiety. Maybe even moved to a point of depression. Because I just don't see how God is doing those things in my circumstances. Maybe you've lost loved ones. Maybe you've had people that are sick in the midst of this pandemic. Maybe you're looking at the political climate or uh, the racial climate and saying, this is not good. Like, you're saying those good things, but I'm I'm not seeing them. Well, the good news is that the psalmist speaks to that too. Okay? In verses 3 through 5, he says, "...for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest." On the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. So, yes, we look around and we see brokenness, we see heartache, we see sickness, we see people dying. We see people, maybe even that we prayed for, that they would know Christ, die without knowing Christ. And and then we ask the question, how how is God, how are we like Mount Zion? How are we not, where is the protection that he's talking about? But the reality is that let's just compare these two things because it says in verse 3, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. Look at that word rest in verse 3. It says that, Wickedness shall not rest. The scepter of wickedness shall not rest. But what does it say in verse 1 about the Mount of Zion? It says that it cannot be moved but abides forever. Abide and rest are the, are the very similar words. Okay? One is going to last, one is going to be here forever, and one is a temporary moment. So when we look around and we see the scepter of wickedness and all of it, what it's doing, and we're like, God, where are you? We need to remember that the promise of God says that the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted for the righteous. Lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. This is the the promise that we have, is that eternally, we will be like Mount Zion, even though when we look out, And we see right now wickedness will not last. The psalmist surely has an understanding of a dwelling of being in a place where wicked kings rule. And and we don't know who the psalmist is in this situation. So maybe he's writing this psalm in exile. Maybe he's being ruled under uh, a Babylonian king in, in Babylon. Or maybe he's uh, come back, but there's still this other king that's sitting on the throne of Israel. Or maybe he's sitting underneath one of the, the wicked kings of Israel. But whatever the situation is, he, he's looking around and he's seeing the reality of a, a wicked scepter. Scepter, right, is, is the rule. When we think about royalty, when we think about a king, the scepter is what he holds that that is the sign of his rule and his reign. And so the psalmist is experiencing the same thing when he looks out. Jesus says the same thing. He says that there's, you're going to look out and there's going to be times where you're gonna, all you're going to see is the rule and reign of wickedness. Matthew 24, verses 9-14 through 14 says this, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. That's the gift that we're given, is the truth of Scripture that says, while you might see this, and Jesus, is, he's honest. He's talking to the disciples. He's he's saying, there's going to come a time where you're going to look, and you're going to see, and you're not going to, you're not going to, the first truth you're going to think is not, I am like Mount Zion that will not be moved. The first truth you're going to think is, where is God? What is going on? But he promises that the one who endures, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom. The idea that Mount Zion is forever is picked up in Revelation 14 where it talks about Mount Zion. And so it's it's a past, it's a present, and it's a future hope that we have. That we too will be firm in our foundation of who God is. Here the psalmist is pressing into the covenant that God had established with his people that if they would obey his commands he would dwell with them. He's calling out to them in in 3, 4, and 5. He says, don't turn aside. Don't stretch out your hand to do wrong. And yet we have, right? Yet we have. We've already talked about it. We said, man, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. And I've, I've stretched out my hand to do wickedness and wrong. But the beauty of it is, That, that God did not leave us in that place. That even though the people of God, along with all of humanity, have sinned and chased after our own glory, our own satisfaction, our own safety outside of God, and we should be led away with these evildoers that it's talking about in verse 5. That's, that's what we have earned in, our, in and of ourselves. But God did not leave us in that place. But God. The psalm leads into prayer in verse 4 and a crying out that God would do good to his people. And this is the eternal prayer of God's people, that God would do good to us. And I have good news today. God has done great to us. God has done good in the person of Jesus. What's God's answer to the cry? God in the person of Jesus has come. And this is what the psalmist is looking forward to. He's looking forward to when the Savior would come. God, do good to your people. Jesus walked in goodness. He was upright in heart. He lived a perfect life of obedience. He alone was good. And what did that perfect man do? He laid down his life for rebellious and wayward people, people who in the midst of their raising their hand in anger and in rebellion, He laid down His life for those people to reconcile us to a holy God. He was the atonement. He paid the price of death that was earned by our sin. He paid it. And He gave us His righteousness. So now, when we cry out, God, do good to your people, we can stand there and we can say, I'm one of those good people because of what Christ has done. Not because I I haven't raised my hand or because I haven't done these evil things. No, I can raise my hand and say, I'm one of those good people. God, do good to me because of what your son has done, what he's purchased for me on my behalf. And so now, if we are in Christ, we are good, right? We are upright in heart. All these things that in verse 4, it says, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in heart. On our record is Christ's perfect obedience, his perfect righteousness. And so the promise of safety, protection, and lasting endurance is ours in Christ. And then how does he he end the psalm? He says, peace be upon Israel. Peace be upon God's people. May they walk and dwell in peace. This prayer, it's carried out throughout all of the psalms, but particularly in these psalms of ascent. We saw it in Psalm 120, we saw it in Psalm 122, we're going to see it in 128, 133. The the cry of God's people is for peace and rest in the midst of circumstances where they look around and all they see is the scepter of wickedness, that they would trust, that they would be like Mount Zion, that they would trust in that. And so today, if we have any faith at all, we've already talked about that. It's a big faith because it's based on who God is, not on our conjuring it up, not on our... Uh, even, even our obedience doesn't create more faith. God has given us everything that we need in who he is. And so we rest there. If we have any faith at all, then our faith is unshakable and rooted to the anchor of our souls. We can rest and abide because we have a God who is immovable. This week, um, I'm trying not to bring my own situation to you. But but the reality is that I am struggling with abiding and resting in who God is. And yet I see it in this passage. It says that we will abide forever. We will rest. The wickedness will not rest. It's it's a temporary thing. But the rest that we have in Christ is forever. And it's really important this abiding peace. When we think about Jesus's last day with his disciples, we remember him calling them to abide in Him. I want to take you to John chapter 15. I'm just going to read this as we, as we close here. But Psalm or John 15 verses 4 through 11 says this. Abide in me. This is Jesus, so I don't want to lose the context of this. This is Jesus on His last days with His disciples. He knows He's going to the cross. And so he's, he's speaking to these men that he's spent three years with, that he's invested everything in. He's hoping that these, he knows, right? But the hope is also that these 12 dudes are going to go out and they're going to remember what he's saying to them and that's what they're going to share with the world. So what does he say to them? What does he say on this last night together? This is it. Abide in me and I in you. see, Jesus ties it all back together. Just as the psalmist calls the people to walk according to the commands of God, so Jesus says that if we keep his commandments, we abide in his love. I pray that uh, today there will, be, there will be in our hearts a rest and an abiding. That that will be our default position this week. Can we cry out for that together? God, may we rest in you. May that be where we default to. Right? And that's going to take some change because that's not where we rest. That's not where our hearts and minds go. But our prayer also is, Lord, will you surround me with your church so that when I don't trust that, that there would be somebody that would come along and point me to that truth again? even if they're not believing it, we together can go to the cross and say, God, will you help us as your people to believe in who you are? May our trust be like Mount Zion. Will it not be moved? God, will you do this thing? And we can pray that prayer with confidence because he's already promised it. Amen? Amen, that's good news today. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for the work of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that uh, in his time with his disciples, Lord, he would take this and he would say, abide in me. Abide in me. Rest in me. God, just as your uh, Mount Zion abides, it's forever. It's It's a forever rest. Cannot be moved. Cannot be shaken. God, will you work that in us as a people? Not so that we could look really good because more than likely that's going to look like a lot of weakness, a lot of crying out, a lot of dependency, a lot of warring, and saying, I'm just not, I'm having a hard time not seeing the scepter of wickedness that's reigning over this land. Lord, but may we together as a people encourage one another and say, no, but the truth is in God's word. And it says that we are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. And not only that, but we have the Lord around us protecting us. He's like the mountains around Jerusalem. God, but most of all, we have Jesus, the one who has come and has done good on our behalf. God, may may that be where we rest and dwell this week. We love you and praise you in your name. Amen.